This week, we are continuing in our series on relationships, more and less. And so if, uh, if you're like me, you need this series a lot. And so what we're doing is we're just taking one thing that Jesus said that could transform our relationships, because he said a lot, and he is the greatest relationship expert ever. And so what we're doing is we're asking him how. How do we take that one thing that we can transform in our relationships this year, and how can we make our relationships better, our families stronger? First, we talked about being present and less distant. A lot of us are distracted in these crazy times uh, because everything's constantly changing, as you found out this last week. And then uh, last week, we talked about being less critical. I shared my struggle with, being that, with, with that last weekend. This weekend, I'm going to talk with you something as equally as important. Because, look, if you don't do this one thing we're going to talk about today, you can't actually do the other two. Okay? So the thing, about we're gonna talk, the thing we're gonna talk about relationships today is this, being more selfless and less selfish. All right, so the words almost look the same, right? But they are completely light years apart. And, and I, for one, look, I'm just glad that we're living in a world that is so selfless and other-centered, aren't you? I know why you're laughing, because we're living in a world that is becoming more and more selfish, self-centered, self-promoting. In fact, this week, I actually typed in the word self-promotion into a search engine as results, and look what came up, okay? So these were like the top three hits when I searched this, okay? The first one is from Entrepreneur Magazine, all right? It was five tips for practicing self-promotion without being totally annoying. <laughs> so the next one uh, came from Forbes, very famous magazine, and it is 40 ways to self-promote without being a jerk. And so then another one that I saw, it was a video from an executive coach, and she had a whole video on how you can self-promote and still respect yourself. And I just thought this was so interesting because even the experts that are writing about uh, living a life that is about promoting yourself, you know what their conclusion is? If you live a life that's all about you, you're going to be annoying, a jerk, and you not, only, you not only lose respect from everybody around you, but you may actually lose respect for yourself as well. That's why this is so important. And look, Jesus has a lot to say on this topic. And look, if you read scripture on this topic, here's what you're going to conclude, okay? It is absolutely impossible, impossible to be a devoted follower of Jesus and live a self-absorbed life. Because Jesus said so much about this. So let's look at Matthew chapter 16. Let's just, uh, we're going to look at a couple verses here. Jesus said to his disciples, that's us right? He said, whoever wants to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Did you know that this is the most quoted saying of Jesus? Because you can't follow Jesus and not actually learn to be more selfless. But a lot of us struggle with that. So the big idea that I want to talk about today is this. Watch this. Behind every successful relationship are two people trying to put the other first, okay? 
Now, also, but the painful part is the flip side of that is true. And this is where some of us are. Behind almost every struggling relationship are two people trying to put who first? Themselves first. It's true. So before, now look, before you push back and say, no, no, wait a minute, Micah, I don't really struggle with that, but I'm sure glad that they're here. You know, hey, are you taking notes? Hey, did you just hear what he just said? Elbow, elbow. But honestly, isn't the fact that we think that sometimes, that's the first time, that's the first thing we think about sometimes is that somebody else needs to get better. Isn't that selfishness in and of itself? Look, there, look, there's one test, if, all right, that, that, will, that will prove us all. The last time you took a family photo or a, fa- or a photo with a bunch of people and you looked at the photo, who was the first person that you looked at, <laughs> right? That would be you, okay? Uh, the staff, when COVID hit, when we all began to meet virtually online early last year. Uh, we started out using one platform to meet virtually. And in that platform, you saw yourself, your own picture, as big as everybody else's picture. But then we switched to another platform where your picture was really small and smaller than everybody else's. And what I noticed was, we're all, myself included, we're all squinting, looking at ourselves at that little bitty picture instead of actually looking at the people that we're talking to. All right? It's a litmus test that we are all, we all struggle with being self-absorbed. And look, you guys know when, when you're on, you do it too. You don't just laugh at us. When you're on Zoom, you're looking at yourself more than you're looking at anybody else. But isn't that a picture of what we do with our relationships? So what we have to do is we have to be reminded to take our eyes off of ourselves and live more selflessly. All right? So look, I'm going to look at a verse that I'm just going to warn you, it's incredibly convicting, but it's also very, very inspiring. Philippians chapter 2. This is actually written by the Apostle Paul, but he is writing it inspired, okay? He's only writing it by looking at the life of Jesus, and I love how he starts. He kind of baits us in a little bit, okay? So he's got some He's talking about living a selfless life, and I love how the message paraphrase puts it, okay? He says, if you have gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if you've gotten anything at all, and most of us would be like, what, what, Paul, anything at all? He saved me. He's changed my life, and Paul's like, okay, check, got that one. Next, if his love has made any difference in your life, what, Paul, I just said he changed my life. And yes, his love, it compels me and it wants me to be better in life. And so Paul says, all right, number two, check. How about this? If being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, what's he talking about here? He's talking about the local church. All right? So if you have ever been a part of a local body of believers that made a difference in your life, He's saying, hey, look, if you've been at Living Word and it has, Living Word has made a difference in your life and the life of your family and helped change your life, and you say, yes, Paul says, great, check. And then it kind of has a little bit of fun with this, okay? Next, he says, hey, it, if, so if Jesus has changed anything about you, if, if his love's made a difference, you know, if you're part of a church that made a difference in your life, and then he says, and if you have a heart, Ouch, hold up, just a second, Paul. I mean, my spouse says I don't have a heart, but yes, I, I have a heart, all right? And then number five, he says, and if you even care. Okay, Paul. So he's saying, if those five things are true in your life, 
He says, I want you to do me a favor. Here's what I want you to do. Based upon the life of Jesus, I want you to do me a favor. Okay? Agree with each other, love each other, and be deep-spirited friends. Be so deep and spirited with other people that it changes their life and yours. See, that's what we want in our relationships. He ends up at what, where we need our relationships to be. So the question is, how do we, all right, so how do we have this life-changing kind of love in our life with those that we love, our spouse, our family members, a person that you're dating, friends, parents, coworkers? Paul says, look, do you really want to know? And then what he says in the next verse, it's one of the most convicting verses. And whenever it comes to this scripture, I'm just warning you, it cuts me to my core. And yet, if we want to transform our relationships and our world, look, if you want to memorize any set of verses this year, I would encourage you to memorize these next two verses that we're going to go through, okay? Here we go. Verse three, do nothing. Everybody say it with me. Even at home, say it with me. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. The problem I have with this is the word nothing. I wish Paul had said like, you know, don't do, don't do a lot of stuff out of selfish ambition or vain. A couple of things are okay. But no, he says do nothing. In the Greek, I looked up the word nothing. Watch this, lean in. It means nothing. So Paul, what's the alternative? So if I can't do that, what do I want to do? Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And look, what Paul does here in these two verses is he gives us, he gives us two attitudes that we have to absolutely eliminate from our relationships in order to have healthy relationships, a healthy marriage, a healthy family. And then he gives us one thing to cultivate. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of unpack this a little bit, okay? What I want to do is I just want to break this verse down so that we can not only know it, but it will move from our head to our heart and into our hands, and then we can actually put it into action in the places that, that are the most meaningful. So two things to eliminate. The first one was selfish ambition, okay? It's this idea of competition, rivalry. And so what do we, the question, what do we have competing in our relationships? And the critical question that all of us have to ask here is, am I spending too much energy trying to be right in my relationships? Hmm. Have you ever been around a couple and they're, they're talking with you, maybe you're having dinner with them or whatever, and they're telling you a story, and then they start to get in a fight, and one starts to correct the other one, and like, no, 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 it wasn't that way, it was this way, and, and they get into an argument right there in front of you. Has anybody been in that awkward situation over something that doesn't even matter? And so they start arguing right in front of you, and what, what I'm thinking is, they're arguing over something that doesn't make any difference at all. And I'm thinking, I don't really even care. I didn't even ask to hear this story, right? And I sure don't want to hear you argue. And here, we, here you are arguing in front of me. So just finish the story. It doesn't even matter. But here's what they're doing. What they're doing is they're competing to see who's right. 
a lot of times over stuff that doesn't even matter. It's selfish ambition. And Paul's going to tell us that there is no room to compete like that in your relationships. Think about it for just a minute. Don't relationships have enough competition from the outside that we're going to actually compete over something dumb from the inside? Well, think about it. Those of you that are parents, man, is parenting not hard in the 21st century? Holy cow. But watch this. If you let your kids see the two of you compete with each other, they're smart enough that they'll actually start playing that competition against you. And that will destroy you if you let that happen. They're that smart. Watch. You don't have any room for selfish ambition and this idea of rivalry within your relationships. So why do we have to get rid of it? Because selfish ambition leads, leads to the next thing that Paul mentioned, and that is vain conceit. It's this idea of promoting ourselves that we were talking about. So why is it that I'm constantly wanting to be right, promote myself, drop names? Because when you try to prop yourself up, you think it makes you look good, but actually it makes us look small. Have you ever been around maybe a couple and you can't believe how one of them is trying to put the other one down in order to make themselves look better? Or talks down to the, their friends or, or their children. And it, you know it doesn't build them up. It makes them look small in your eyes and in the eyes of everybody else. So we've got to ask ourselves this. Do I come across as needing to be self-important and a self-promoter? And look, it's tricky, I know, because we're all really good at secretly hiding self-promotion. We slip in a name there, or when somebody else is talking, we're not listening, we're thinking about what we're going to say back. Or we're posting things on social media that are truly and honestly not a great picture of what your entire life looks like. And we post things to make our lives look better than they actually are. Or sometimes with a spouse or parent or somebody that, that we love, I see people knock each other down, even in public, to make them look better. The scriptures are so rich and deep in this. I was studying the, the word, uh, this word, um, selfish ambition, and how that phrase looked, was, was in the Greek. And you know how, how it's actually translated? This is the actual translation, seeking to win followers. I about fell out of my chair. I thought, did Paul see into the future, into 2021? Holy cow. I mean, did he, was he able to see into our culture and how we self-promote ourselves and we put ourselves at the center of everything to make ourselves look bigger and better? And Paul says self-promotion, it's always, always going to, to lead you into, into something that maybe, it's like, biting into what looks like a big luscious apple and it's rotten on the inside. It's such a vain action. And so the question is, well, what should we do, Paul? So if we can't do those things, what should we do? And Paul does say there's two things you want to eliminate, but then in the scripture, he gives us this one thing that we do need to cultivate in our relationships. Philippians 2, 3, back to that. Rather in humility, you see, we have to develop a spirit of humility that values others above ourselves. Now, humility is one of the most misunderstood topics that we could talk about. 
Okay, because a lot of us, we think about that, wow, if I'm going to be humble, I have to put myself down. Well, see, that's actually not humility. That's called false humility, is putting yourself down. True humility is this. All right, C.S. Lewis said it this way, and it's so brilliant. He said, humility is not thinking about your, go ahead and flip to that. There we go. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Humility, look, it's just saying, look, I'm not going to think less of myself. I'm not going to think down on myself. I'm not going to think of myself less. Or I, I'm not going to think of less of myself. I'm going to think about myself less so that I can be more other-centered. To which you can push back and say, well, yeah, but Micah, who's going to think about me? If I'm always thinking about others, aren't I going to get taken advantage of? Well, Paul doesn't say never think about yourself. Go back to Philippians 2.4, where he says, look not only to his own interest. So he says, don't only look to your self-interest, but also to the interest of others. So he's not saying don't ever think about yourself, all right? Especially within a relationship. But what he's saying is that there is an order of operation. Like in math, there was an order of operation that they taught you. If you don't work the problem in the right order, you always get the wrong answer. And Paul is saying there is an order of operation in relationships. If you don't start thinking about your own needs and then the other person's needs and value them first above yourself, then it's not going to go well in your relationships. And I love this word value as well, that we're going to value others. And so what does that actually mean? Well, let me tell you what the word value, that phrase value other actually means. So to value somebody else, it means you view the other person as if they're the most important person in the room. Now that's hard. But I, but I love this because to, to be honest, all of us can relate. All of us have been in a room where we were not the most important person in the room. All right, we've all been there. You want me to tell you where all of us have been, where you were not the most important person in the room? Is when you went to a wedding. Unless it was yours. I hate to break this to you, but when you go to a wedding, no matter how good you look, no matter how good you smell, unless you're the bride or groom, you are not the most important person in the room. And that may be a shock to some of you. One of the saddest things that I've ever witnessed is going to a wedding and and, and I've seen this multiple times. You've probably seen it too. And finding somebody, usually a family member, who wants to be the most important person in the room. Have you ever been in a reception and a family member grabs the mic? They're supposed to be giving a toast or saying something nice about the couple. And instead, they begin to talk about themselves and how amazing they are and everything that they've done for the couple. And I'm just like, oh my word. What in the world? This, this, this is crazy. You're so embarrassed you want to crawl under the table. You know, you, they shouldn't be pulling attention to themselves. And everybody else knows you're not the most important person here. Somebody else is more important. And here's what Paul's saying, and I want this to sink in for us, okay? Every single day in your relationships, that is how Paul is saying, this is how I want you to live. As if the other person is the most important person in the room. And a lot of times, this is where we start to push back. Because we start to have all these excuses for Paul, right, that run through our mind. It's like, why we should not have to do that with that person in our life. 
And Paul, in just a second, I just hate to tell you, he's going to shatter all that. But for just a second, keep all those excuses at the front of your mind. Because most of them, they center around something like this. You know, I would do that if, if they deserved it. I would start valuing them first if they would just value me. Because I'm the one that feels devalued. If I value them before they start valuing me, am I going to empower them to be even more selfish? Because I don't want to make them more important until they give me what I need. To which Paul would say, you know, that's kind of the whole point. Is look, if you thought they deserved it, you'd already be doing it. I wouldn't have to tell you. It'd be easy. Paul says, the point is, I'm telling you to value them above yourself because they don't deserve it. That's the whole point, which we want to push back even further. And we say, hang on just a second. Hang on a minute, Paul. How far do I have to take this? And this is where Paul shatters all of my excuses. And he says, you want to know how far you should take this? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Paul tells us our motivation, all right? So in your relationships with one another, you want to know how far to take this? Here it is. I want you to have the same mindset, the same exact mindset as Christ Jesus. Because it really is a mindset and a mindset shift. You can pray as much as you want. It's a mindset shift, okay? This is why we're going to the Word of God. So Paul, remind me, what kind of mind, mind shift or mindset do you want me to have? All right? So to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God. So what Paul is saying is that, watch this, in every single room that Jesus walked into, he actually was the most important person in the room. He was God in the flesh. And so, of course, every room, every event, it didn't matter who was there. He went to a wedding. He was the most important guy there. So the question is, what did Jesus do with that? It says he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. So Jesus never walked into any environment, even though he was the most important person in the room, he never acted like he was the most important person. Rather, he made himself nothing. In other words, he completely emptied himself. He made himself nothing in his environment by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So even if you think you're the most important person in the room, you can still get something out of this. So Jesus, what did he do? He humbled himself. He lived every single day as if people around him, even though he was the most important person in the room, he lived as if they were the most important person in the room. And then, so Paul's getting up in our business a little bit. So you can say, all right, all right, Paul, all right, fine. When they start telling a story and they get the facts wrong, fine. Maybe I won't correct them. All right, you, should, you said the shirt was gray. It was really blue. And, you know, I have a picture. And so I showed them and I said, see, you were wrong. And how lucky you are to have me in your life to correct you. Okay, Paul, all right, maybe I should not do that. But Paul, how far do I have to take this? I mean, how far? Now, caveat, okay? If you're in a physically abusive relationship, get out. 
okay? Come to one of us. Come to one of the staff. We will help you. But if you are not in a physically abusive relationship, the question is that you should be asking is, how far do I have to take this? How far should I take this? She's got interests that I don't have. I don't want to plant a garden. I don't even like vegetables. Why should I have to do that? He wants to watch the show or he wants to, you know, he has a project that he wants me to help with. How far do I have to really take this? How long do I have to listen to them talk incessantly about something I don't care about? And this is where Paul drops the mic right here on all of us and our excuses. Okay? And he reminds us how far Jesus actually took it. It says that he humbled himself, and watch this, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus took his humility and making us more important, even when I didn't deserve it, even when you didn't deserve it, he actually gave his life even unto death on a cross. And so if you're here and you're not a Christian, if you're watching and you're not a Christian, and this idea of valuing others above yourself seems strange, I just want to say Jesus never asked us to do something that he did not do himself. And for those of us Christians that maybe we had, our, we, we had our hand up, we've got our excuses. When you hear that Jesus died, doesn't that make you want to say, I was just kind of scratching my back, Jesus. I just really don't have any excuses. And he's like, okay. Because what he does is he takes all of our excuses and removes them. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, value other people above yourself. So these are things that I'm looking at within my marriage, my family, my friendships, my coworkers. And, and I'm just thinking, how often, I got to self-analyze, how often do I just say, yeah, I just don't want to do that. I know they want to do that, but I don't really like doing that. I don't really want to watch that. Or maybe you're single and you have friendships and they're suffering. And you don't want to bend to prefer them. And, and look, I, I know there's marriages. Because throughout the year, we've, we've heard over and over that marriages are struggling and they're hurting. And the issue is what? It comes back to this. What? Behind every successful relationship are two people trying to put the other person first. They're working their tails off to make sure to put the other one first. They're apologizing when they don't. And behind almost every struggling relationship are two people, almost every struggling relationship here today, online today, listening today, are because there are two people trying to put themselves first. And the question is, who's gonna bend first? Let me tell you who the bigger person is in that relationship. It's the person that does bend first to try to put the other person first before they ever deserve it. See, that's the way Jesus wanted it. That's the way Paul instructed us. And, and to be honest, let's be honest. Do you really have another option? Do you really think you devaluing them and promoting yourself and putting them down and continuing to not bend do you think that's really going to, they're just going to wake up one day and go, oh, I finally want to be the person that you want me to be. What motivated you to follow Jesus? Did he wait for you to get your act together? Not even close. He went to a cross selflessly and died for you when you deserved it none at all. You didn't deserve it. 
This is our model for relationships. And I want to challenge us in this, okay? It's very simple, but it's also very hard to carry out. And here's the challenge I want to give you today. This week, I want you to ask and answer this one question. What's one selfless thing that I could do for somebody that I love this week? It has to be selfless. Means that maybe you need to schedule a babysitter and completely surprise them one night, take them out, you know, for an awesome date night to their favorite restaurant, even though maybe things have not, you know, maybe they haven't treated you that well. And then you're scheduling it, you're doing all that, and then expecting absolutely nothing at the end of the night. Somebody's like, yes. Well, let me talk to the other spouse for a second. What if sometime this week you initiated even though they did not deserve it? You just wanted to show love for them because you knew how important it was to your spouse. I mean, is it that big a deal? I mean, we, we act like sometimes the things that we're going to do for other people, we just ask like they're, we act like they're such a huge, huge deal. And actually what's the huge deal is our mindset that Paul says has to change. Or maybe it's even in a, in a relationship, you know, um, maybe the, the, it's a friend that hasn't been good to you and you, and you bring them, you know, a, a, a gift or you spend the time with them that they want to spend with you. Or, or what can you do for your parents? Those of you students, empty the dishwasher, take out the trash without being asked. Tell, you, tell them that you love them without them saying it first. I promise you, if we step in and we do one selfless thing this week, you'll see a change. You'll see a change and then just do another one and another one and another one because the only way that relationships can change is that we love someone selflessly the same way that he loved and loves us. Will you stand with me? just want to pray with you. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word today. And I thank you for Paul and just, just for preserving the letters that he wrote to us. And we just give you glory and honor. And we just thank you for teaching us. For teaching us to be more selfless and less selfish. We love you with all of our hearts. And we commit to you to not only be doers of your word. But this week, just to ask you. What, what is the selfless thing that we could do in the relationships within our, within our lives? And so what we're going to do in just a second, we're going to just take one minute. And we're just, I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit, what is that one thing? Who? And he may give you a couple. He may give you extra homework. I don't know. But what is the one thing? Who is the person? And what is the one thing that you can do? That one selfless thing. Just spend a minute with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. 